you're either on the bus or you're off the bus. Welcome aboard episode 28 of Riding the Bus. The official Iowa Wild podcast is on the way, presented by Explore Minnesota. Ben Gislason, Joey Goldstein, and in just a little bit, a oh, man that needs no introduction, Mason Shaw. I'm still shivering from the way that we ended our show. We won't talk about what exactly that means, but for anybody looking at Ben asking, is he healthy? The question is yes. Super healthy. Actually, super We're healthy. We're both super healthy. You healthier. Yeah. But we are both super but healthy. But I'm cold, um, even though we luckily missed the really big cold stretch here in Des Moines. But it's been a while since we've been on the pod. We had a grueling month of December of home games, and then I wasn't here for half the month uh, in yeah. January. But here we are, and back with a real banger of a show, too, with Mason Shaw. Uh, just such a fabulous person, hockey player, you name it. Um, he's just a top-notch guy. You're laughing at me because I'm just so I am, yeah, right you're now. struggling yeah, right now. Yeah, I'm struggling right yeah, now. Yeah. Well, it'll make sense later. Yeah. But um, you can give me some time to catch my breath here. Uh, a lot of things have been going on since we last met. Um, the teams on ice play, obviously, they're scuffling a bit right now. The good news in the American Hockey League is it can change so, so fast. fast. It yeah. can change so fast. And there's so many prospects on this team that even though you watch the team as a whole right now and the success hasn't quite been there, there are players that have made huge strides. And like you talk about later in our show with Mason, uh, the report – from up top right now, the way that Brett McLean has been monitored by Bill Guerin, by John Hines, they're happy with the progression of a lot of these these prospects. So hopefully that individual progression will turn into some team progression here in the in the near future. But a big stretch of games ahead for the Iowa Wild, that's for sure. But uh, And the other good news is the Central Division, probably one of the better divisions you can be in this year if yeah. you're not a team that's above 500 because Iowa is by no means out of a playoff spot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, if there's – this whole second half of the season is going to be uh, quite the push, and it's just going to be interesting to see what happens. There's just so many. There's still so many moving parts, as there have been all year, right? Because we've dealt with injuries and recalls. Both I, there was a, a point where it must have been in January. It was in January when you guys were on the road, but Minnesota was banged up, so we had lost guys to Minnesota. We had injuries, so we were missing a handful of guys. The team down in Coralville was banged up so there were guys down there who couldn't play so it was just I've n and I've never seen a stretch like that where the entire organization and at all three levels are hampered by injuries to significant yeah, pieces the series was like it was absurd. it's just tough and, and sometimes <clears throat> that happens but you've said it a couple times you know at some point all these every team has a stretch at some point and a, a good run I should say of, of winning yeah. games and, and ours we haven't hit that yet but it does feel like it's coming. We are scoring. It's not like we're not scoring goals. We're scoring goals, tighten up a few things, and and we're you know you win some of these games. Mm -hmm. Not to mention the fact that you know Minnesota's made a couple moves as of late, so you might be getting some sort of reinforcements. Will Butcher is a new addition for us, which is a Who big I big really, piece. Really, really liked. Big uh, big on, piece on uh, the second game of that San Diego set. I really liked Will Butcher. Yeah, the more he gets comfortable here, I think he's going to be a big big piece for him. He's an offensive defenseman, which is a huge huge piece for someone who can and be he's on not power 20. play yeah he's a, and he's a vet so that's a that's another big piece but obviously minnesota just added another defenseman so another know. defenseman i really really like yeah but Declan like chisholm i really like him. but is that someone you know does that mean dakota mermis comes back to us does that mean somebody else comes like there's there's a lot of things up in the air right now adam rask is still up there 
we could see him at some point. So like there's there's a lot of there's still a lot of moving parts. Uh, a long way to go. Obviously, the trade deadline is coming up in March. That's a uh, obviously a big piece to that can change the way your team looks. Um, not to mention there's that you know the AHL deadline. Yeah. You know, does anything happen at the AHL deadline where you maybe bring guys in on an AHL deal who can help bolster your lineup a bit? I know we've seen uh, in in years past. I think last year Hershey made a couple moves right at the AHL deadline. And they won the Calder Cup because of it. Right. So there's so many different things that can happen, uh, but it has been a, a, a pretty crazy stretch for us. Um, but just excited to be back here doing this. This has been a while, and I keep getting comments from people throughout <laughs> at games. They're like, when's the next podcast coming out? When's the next podcast coming out? I keep listening to old episodes to get my fix. Well, God bless those people listening to old we're, episodes. We're back. <laughs> we're here. We are. Yeah, uh, incredible that it's our first uh, pod of the new year as well. So yeah. very happy belated New Year to everybody here uh, as we move into February. Uh, we'll Your favorite month. Yeah, we're recording this still in January. This full disclosure will probably not come out until after the, the Vegas uh, Henderson series next weekend. But nonetheless, February coming up. I am, let's say, looking forward more to February than I was last year. Vegas this coming weekend and then Austin, Austin Texas. That'll break it up a little bit yep. for me. Uh, better, I think. You know, last year I I want to say you know Rockford was one of the places we were at, and that's no disrespect to Rockford, but it's not the weather of of Vegas in no, February. Going any, anywhere it's in not the, the weather of Texas. The Midwest in February is exactly. We were there what you for a bit is. last year, yeah. and I don't know. I, yeah, I just remember being in a really foul mood in February. Is maybe I won't be this year. Maybe I'll maybe. come around the corner. I know my yeah. wife has really fun Valentine's Day plans for us that I don't know about, Ooh. so she's kept it off the radar to this point there you go so maybe that'll help perk me maybe. up a little bit maybe but we got uh we got obviously the all-star breaks coming up uh, as we're recording this weekend so by the time you hear this the all-star game will have passed jesper and nick patan are both going out there i'll be out there to kind of cover things from a social perspective you do you have big all-star break plans you going anywhere or you just got one word locking the door couch. shutting it down couch one word couch oh. i got pto planned no one from hockey ops can bother me. Hopefully, PTO means no one from front office can bother me. Shutting her down. Yeah, shutting her down. Those days are so. nice. Yeah, needed. It, it, I mean, I think it was 24 games in two months for for Iowa, and um, you know, just a grueling stretch of games. Mm -hmm. And I think it may have showed a little bit there towards the tail end of it. I, I think everybody on the hockey ops side knew that even just this week that we're recording this was just a little bit back to some normalcy. I, it was an incredible amount of, of midweek games, too. Yeah. A and those Wednesday one-off games or a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday-type set, those midweek games, which, again, is more of what the National Hockey League looks like, but those midweek games can really be the trying part yeah. of it because it's nice right now. We played Saturday at home. Now we have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the travel day. You got that whole week nice to kind of recovery. Mon Mondays don't hit as hard when you've got a full week to get ready for whatever the next show is. Yeah. When you got a game on, you know, what we're coming back from Tucson, or Tucson, Rockford, and game on Monday, and then a game on Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. It's just like that's a that's a run. So I'm looking forward to All Star Break. I think everybody looks forward to All Star Break every year, and, and whether you play, whether you broadcast, mm -hmm. whether you market director whether you're you know run, Allie Brown running the show I mean everybody looks forward to it because yeah. it's just it's a time to kind of 
just decompress a little bit and there there's not the strain or stress of an upcoming etc waiting yeah. for you in, in front of those days so it'll be good but um you know there, there's been a lot of good in the first half too as much as i think fans might say you're you're, you're blowing you're blowing smoke ben i i would say you know I, I do think that this team has found itself compared to i mean think about where this team was the opening weekend against henderson going up to manitoba getting smashed by a now last place manitoba moose team in the central and there are building blocks that this team has been able to find. I, I do think that. And at the end of the day, you get Jesper Volstead back um, for how long, hopefully the rest of the season, meaning Philip Gustafson and, and Marc-Andre Fleury would be healthy. And all of a sudden, um, you know, Jesper Volstead can, can steal games. Uh, and, and I still think there, there could be a return for Zane McIntyre to the form that we all hope he can get to. He's not found it yet, but at, at some point, Jesper is going to get back to where he was at before mm -hmm. uh, he went on this now five-game losing skid going into Vegas. That hopefully has ended by the time people are listening to this episode. But if he gets back to where he was November into uh, middle of December and this team scores like they've been scoring recently, they're going to win. Yeah, Jesper is not going to give up on a regular basis more, yep. than, more than three. Mm -hmm. A lot of nights more than two. They had that stretch November to – mid-December where they were the best defensive team in the American Hockey League. Jesper was a big part of that, but also they were defending really well, and they mm. were giving up no more than two per game. Now, they weren't scoring during right. that time either. I remember you texting me, though, in the middle of that. There's, I forget, there was one game in the middle of it, and you were just it was just kind of unprovoked, but I got a text from you and you said, if this team defends like this, they're going to be fine. Yeah. Because yeah. They, they just weren't giving any opportunities to anybody. And he, uh, to me, I, I, I think – goals can – scoring can be like what we've seen. They can be fickle. They can show up at the most random times. They can disappear at the most random times. Defense, yes, as – you know, recently the, the D hasn't quite been there uh, for some of these stretches. Texas lost, San Diego losses. But even that's a somewhat small sample size. Yeah. Even when they went down to Tucson and, and lost down there, they only gave up three and four to the best team in the Pacific. And scoring goals is hard. Like mm – -hmm. Okay, Austin Matthews is really good at it, and David Pasternak is really good at it, but it's hard to do. Yep. It's not easy to score goals. That's like, I mean, that's what guys get paid millions and millions of dollars to do, and not a lot of guys get paid those millions and millions and millions mm -hmm. of dollars. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, I think you, the other factor of it is we still we're so young. We had so many young guys who are still just acclimating themselves to the yeah. pro game, who all have very bright futures too. So it's just like. There's there's a, a patience element to it. I think that um, that's that the comes word. along that's with the it, word. right? Patience it's just is the word, and it, and it, it it can be tough and it can be frustrating at, at times. But um, there's a there's a lot of positives within that if you can, you know, take a step back and look at it, you know sometimes the bigger picture. I think it's very easy to see some of those things. Patience is the key word, and it it it's hard to be patient, and it's. Especially hard to be patient when you are a fan because you, you don't you, you want so bad to will your team into it mm -hmm. and you, you can't have an impact on it. It's hard to be patient sometimes as a broadcaster. Trust me, no one wants these games to start to shrink down yeah. on the score more than me when it's seven nothing in the second period. That's a hard spot to be as a broadcaster too. But growing pains are real. Uh, this team has had an incredible, I would say, mentality through all of it. I've been impressed by their ability to just sort of let not in a careless way but just 
in a mature way, let some of the negatives that have been recently roll off their shoulders. And again, the silver lining to all of it right now is it won't take that deep of or steep of a run to all of a sudden have Iowa get thrown right back into the middle of the yeah, division. They're going to have to win some games in a row. The division's are, not great, though. They're going to have to do that. They're yeah. going to have to w- peel off five, six, seven in a row, yeah. which, again, most teams do. But if they do that, they're going to be right back in the thick of things, and it'll be very easy to forget about what has been, obviously, a rocky stretch from December now into to February, really. Talk about patience before we – Throw it over to Mason or Shaw. I think we speaking, talk. Of, speaking, speaking of patience, you want to talk about a patient guy? Yeah, oh but we get, we. I think we should talk about your patience. Oh, uh, this our West Coast road trip it was you know ten day road trip, which uh, Ben commonly referred to on the broadcast as a ten game road trip. Like no, was, uh, no, like no, 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 no. I tweeted um, it. I tweeted it mistakenly, and, and you said it on the air. I said it on air. Oh yeah. Well, so this was clearly there was some just like deep seated yeah. lie. Yeah, that you I were had just like. Brain. But I think some of that stems from just the long travel days and all the, the it felt like a ten game road yeah, trip. Yeah, all the times. work that you had to do to get guys from point A to point B. Oh. I mean, talk a little bit about that. It was I mean, at one point there was a text message. You were like, "Yep, we're trying to get Louis Boudon back to Coralville, and the Denver airport is closed, and we're trying to get Jesper to Tucson." But Jesper has been sitting in the Des Moines airport for ten hours, mm-hmm. and then. Jesper had to go be driven to Minnesota to fly out from Minneapolis to get to the game where he was not there for morning skate, got there just in time for the game to back up Zane. And um, and then you had a very unfortunate incident at uh, lunch. Yeah, not travel-related. Um, yeah, those are all, all true stories. It was – the big issue was the cold. Um, you know, I, I think it was – Five or ten below here in Des Moines. I think it was even real, colder. Real feel with the wind. It was like four Cold, minus yeah, forty, but actually outside, yeah. And in Denver, it was even colder than that. And the hard part, Tucson is not a big a big airport, mm-hmm. and the best way to get there is via Southwest. Uh, and, and Southwest, they wiped like everything on. I forget. I think we got to Tucson. So which game was which game of the ten game road trip was this? Tucson huh? was um, the was the is a midweek so Monday Wednesday. Yep. So we would have gotten there. Sunday. We would have gotten there the day after our last game. Yeah, we played Monday. Yeah, Sunday. So this was Monday. Yes, yeah, so this was Sunday. Sunday evening. I was working on this. Luckily, it was beautiful there. I was sitting out by the pool, and half the team was out there. The staff was out there just watching and laughing at me, like pacing and, sure, you yeah, know, yeah. two phones. And yeah, the classic, the Joe Hicketts. Yeah, yeah, the Joe Hicketts picture photo. he took of me last year, yeah. you know, multiple phones and trying to figure it all out. And, and essentially what kept happening was for both Jesper and Ben Brinkman, who was uh, a PTO player we signed, trying to get him in from Coralville uh, also for that uh, Monday game was the flights that they were on kept getting bumped and bumped and bumped and bumped and bumped. And the hard part about that from a travel director standpoint is when do you say, okay, I've seen enough bumps where I'm going to pull them and try Mm -hmm. to put them on something else. Other flights were getting bumped as well because of Denver was a a nightmare apparently. And everything to get to Tucson, at least that day needed to go through Denver. And so they, Jesper sat at the airport and Ben Brinkman sat at the airport. And then what we wound up doing was because we had actually flown Nick Patan out that day. Jesper wanted to come back to Des Moines first. We didn't think this would be an issue at all. Sure, yeah. Nick opted. He was also coming back on the same day as Jesper. Nick opted to stay in Minneapolis, said I'll fly out of there. That wound up being simple. It was a direct flight right out of Minneapolis down to Tucson. 
we ended up having to send Jesper to that same flight the next day because we wanted to take the connecting flight and we wanted to take Denver out, out of, of the, the equation. equation. Yeah. So that worked, but nonetheless, it, it involved you know finding Jesper a, r- a ride to, to get up to St. Paul, and of course, our car service provider. Uh, it was the Iowa caucuses that weekend, so they were they were booked up. Our, our car service provider was booked up. Busy with yeah, what? Yeah, busy with what? So we ended up having to have an, uh, one of uh, uh, our equipment, not even equipment managers, but our locker room attendants. Um, he was already on his way up there anyway, so he mm-hmm. took him on a ride up, and, and Jesper said it was awesome, and Randy was, a, was great. And um, it was a true example of coming together as a team to figure out a problem, uh, a solution to a problem, because – I'd, I, well, the minute I'd gotten the flight figured out, well, okay, we got a plan, and then of course the car service that ball drops, and you're just like, what are we gonna do? Yep. And that's where you know you thank God for people like Shaky Kraus who just said, well, yeah, no problem, bro, we'll figure it out, and he connected and we made it work. And then you're just sitting there, you're like, oh, I can finally breathe now. Everything is good. Let me sit down, have this nice plate of pasta, have no <laughs> issues. And that was the next day. Yeah, the next, next day. day. Ben Ben thinks every all's good. All is peachy. Yeah, all's yes, fine and here. dandy. We get Ben Brinkman We're good. Here. Everybody's yep. here. Everybody's yep. where they need to be. I can relax. Nothing could possibly go wrong. This plate of pasta looks great. Let me uh oh look at that. Pink Himalayan salt. Let me grab it's some great of that. Salt. And uh really good salt. Just goes to dump some of it on and here's the photo. <laughs> it went everywhere. And he, the text from Ben just as he's summarizing the whole weekend and then just like a brief pause. And then it was, oh, great. Now there's uh, now the salt has exploded all over my pasta. <laughs> and I was like, what? And that's when you sent me this yeah, picture. Yeah. And uh, some I people will probably criticize me for salting my pasta. Do you put salt in your pasta? No, I think it's a little weird. Yeah, yeah. I like salt. Yeah, well, yeah. you got plenty of it. Yeah, now. I sure did. Yeah. I sure did. But uh, yeah, so it was I think as I texted you. And we've told some of the other crazy travel stories on this podcast before. Our actual team travel on that trip, we had like a delay or two, but it was pretty smooth sailing. Yeah, like it was all the additional yeah, stuff. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have a whole lot from the team. It, it was the it was the different, the individual transactions, and, and there was just so much. And there was, there was, like you said, Minnesota had needs, and then we had needs, and Coralville didn't have all the people that we normally could pull from there. So it was, it was just one of those days where – everything kind of twists together and then becomes one big problem, but there's nine different tentacles to it. So sports. Yeah. Uh, live sports, man. Sports. It all comes back to live sports, but, um, let's, you know, get, let's get to yeah, speaking of a guy we who ramble for a long yeah, time. Sure Sorry did. guys. Speaking of a guy who has, you know, and, and, and the problems in, in my life in Tucson are uh, a thimble of, of what Mason Shaw has had. Patience. To go so you want to yeah, talk about patience. Uh, just, guy just truly one of, if not the top guy you'll meet in, in hockey, this is a, an incredible human, an, an incredible hockey player, and it was a real treat to get to chat with him. So without any further ado, and we've had plenty <laughs> to talk about, too much to talk about. Most of you hopefully have fast-forwarded past all this by now. Let's get to the, the man of the hour, Mason Shaw. Before we get to our interview with Mason Shaw, we got to shout out our sponsor at Explore Minnesota. They do present this interview segment every time we do You're this. You're going to be able to do that with your – oh, I wanted you to leave the low battery thing up over it and see if you could have done it. Well, that's impossible because it covers the entire read, Ben. I don't know. Adapt. <laughs> Adapt, readapt, apt. Anyways. Nice reference. From outlet malls, winter markets, and boutique gift shops to the largest indoor mall in the country, Minnesota is home to some of the biggest shopping in the country. Make any 
This is not – I'm butchering this. I'm still cold. Well, you got to leave this in now. I'm still cold. From outlet malls, winter markets, and boutique gift shops to the country's largest indoor mall, Minnesota is home to some of the best shopping in the country. The whole nation. Make any day a snow day and come get some retail therapy. Plan your dream trip. ExploreMinnesota.com. People are going to be wondering why we're cold the whole episode. Yeah. Because yeah, I we'll was get cold there. in the segment. I've kind of warmed up now. Yeah. And now I actually feel, I feel really good right See? now. See? Yeah. Told Health you. benefits. Health benefits. Super healthy. Okay. Mason Shaw. <laughs> On to period two with a guest that I know Joey and I have been really excited to bring to all of our listeners, to all of our fans. And not only that, but just to sit with and talk with. I mean this when I say this, Mason. One of the great people I've gotten to be around in hockey. Mason Shaw is with us here today to catch up on a lot, Shazi. But first and foremost, it's great to have you here, not only back on the ice, but with us here on the pod. Yeah, I can't uh, I can't wait when you asked the other day if I want to join. I was thinking about time. So I'm glad to come <laughs> on here and ride the bus. That's with you what boys. everybody says. Everybody's like, oh, well, we've been waiting. Yeah, Bex up? was the one who was like waiting the longest because everybody, every time we had people on, they'd always kind of give Bex the business a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Well, he need to come on and defend himself. Yeah. Well, I can I can probably do the same as as we move on here. <laughs> in, in our defense, Shazi, you did you obviously you were not with the team last year. You were with the Minnesota Wild doing big things up there. So give us a little bit of, of slack on that. I yeah. don't, you wouldn't have wanted to have been on the pod that time because you would have wanted to be in Minnesota, sure. which I know is where you're well on your way back to getting. And Shazi, we're we're going to cover a lot of bases here today. We'll touch on the injuries, but I don't want to sit here and I don't want to dwell on it because that's behind. That rehab is behind. I think there's certainly things that fans would want to know about the journey that you're on right now, um, but I don't want to dwell on it. But for starters, hockey, you've been playing it again. It was a long-awaited return for you out in Rockford. You now have scored three goals in your last two games, so Clearly, things are starting to work. I know it's not just as simple as snapping your fingers and you're back to where you want to be, but how are things feeling right now? Yeah, they're feeling pretty good. I think this last weekend I took a, a, a good step in the right direction in terms of you know finding your legs and finding your game. Um, the first you know first couple games, there was definitely rust flying off every time I stepped on the <laughs> ice, I felt like, and, and they're still continuing to be that. But, um, you know, over almost 300 days, they'll play in a hockey game, so uh, that was to be expected, but... Um, things are things are moving forward here, and, and I'm a hockey player again, so that's all I really could ask for. What are the parts of that journey, the rehab journey, that people don't think about? When p fans were so many people behind you, so many people have reached out, I'm sure, to you, whether it was whether they had your phone number or not or on social media or through other people, that you have so many people in your camp, even people you will never meet, but that maybe these people don't know some of the really hard parts of having to come through something like that that maybe isn't obvious to someone who hasn't had to go through what you've had to go through? I think initially, you know, I felt the support right away when it first happened. And obviously when you're getting closer to playing again, um, you see all that support again. But I think the middle of the journey when you're in month three or four and um, you kind of for, you know, you, maybe you forget about the injury that happened and you're grinding in the middle of summer and, and knowing you're still not going to be ready for training camp. That was probably the hardest, one of the harder parts about all this is kind of when when it gets quiet and, and maybe people aren't reaching out as much as they were before and, and giving you this, you know, not not giving you the support, but, you know, just they're just carrying on. So, um, you know, the middle of the grind is, is hard when it's quiet and, and when no one's watching. So um, I remember, you know, throughout the summer there were some times where it was, it was pretty hard and, and your knee maybe wasn't feeling like you wanted to, but, um, you know, when you're defying the odds, sometimes it can be a little bit lonely. So um, that part was hard of it, but... 
um, like I like I mentioned, the support I got throughout all this is, has been pretty amazing, and I definitely felt it. Watch this segue, Goldstein. So that was before you got back on the bus, back on the ice, back on the team. Look at him smiling over there right now. I was hoping you were going, I thought you were going to forget. One, I you? thought you were going to forget, and I, I was just waiting for my moment to jump in and, and give oh, no. you crap for it. But no, yeah, no, no, no. Yep, Watch this segue. So, again, that was injured talk before you were back with the team. You've since been on the bus. You've since been on the yeah. ice. And the first question that we like to lead with, now that we're really diving into the, yeah. the girth of our, of our podcast here, is – a bus story, a great bus story, something that when you think back on all your time on the bus, whether it was in the WHL with Medicine Hat or here with Iowa, is there any good or great stories that come to mind where you just think, I can't believe this happened or I spent a long time laughing after this event occurred on the bus? I just, you know, I've spent a lot of time on the bus through junior hockey, through um, my time here and I think my introduction to the bus in pro hockey was, was the card table I had my first year. Um, there was Nate Prosser, Cal O'Reilly, Matt Reed, Matt Barkowski, Andrew Hammond, Mike Leambus, and then that year the two you know two rookies that snuck their way into the card table were were myself and Mitch McLean, who I'm great friends with now. So doesn't surprise me at all, by the way. Those two, you two sneaky. Yeah. There. If I had to pick, yeah. Yeah, we we made right. our way <laughs> back into the card game early, and um, just just so many memorable laughs and to this day I still remember that group of guys and, and being welcome into that card table but I took a lot of the brunt that year and that was okay as a, as a rookie at the card table with those with those group of veterans I was I was very much well supposed to so in terms of a specific story I maybe can't <laughs> can't put an exact you know time frame on one but just being at that tar- card table and the experience and you know that's probably the most fun I've ever had on a bus is is doing that so I uh we called it the submarine I remember that bus didn't have any windows in the back and <laughs> Uh, just a lot of more. R.I.P. now, the submarine. It's yeah. officially been yeah, laid to bus, bus. It's gone to bus heaven, yeah, the submarine. Yeah, it's this gone new now. one. We got the yeah. spaceships. Unbelievable. <laughs> so the, the double-decker. So um, just probably that experience for me um, in terms of, of bus stories, I guess, bus memories. Is there a frequented Matt Bartkowski line that he would use? Because that guy had a line for everything. And I only briefly caught him my first yeah. year here, and that was a shortened COVID season. When I say Matt Bartkowski, what – hilarious lines come to mind with uh, that gentleman oh man everyone every single line you've ever heard is, is <laughs> he's got it in the book but i don't know anytime in cards we played seven up seven down and and uh if you'd ever trump his card or or, or do a chop and, and pull all the trump out he always had something to say about that so in terms of a specific line maybe i don't have one but he had a lot to say every time you know in the card game so uh miss him a lot and it was a lot of fun Going back a little bit to what Ben was talking about at the beginning, I think obviously your career and everything you've been through this point has been pretty well documented. But, you know, everybody's path to the NHL is so different, right, and and how they get there. Is there anything that obviously through your journey now that you're here and, I mean, still at 25 years old, right, you're still you're – not you're one of the older guys in this locker room. Is there anything that you've been able to take through your journey and kind of sharing that with the younger guys in the room now who – may feel frustrated at times mm-hmm. in their first or second year pro and they hit you know that wall halfway through the year yeah i think the biggest thing i've learned is is it's it's a journey it's not a sprint um there's no perfect recipe on how you can get to the next level or or get your game to the next level i think there's been you know everyone throughout their career has ups and downs and early on in my career i mean i i wondered if i was ever going to be able to get to the point where you could take the step to the next level and I had a lot of good veterans around me that are like, hey, like you're just a kid. You got a lot to learn here. You have time. So I think, you know, the biggest thing that I can try to share to younger guys is is uh, 
you know, this is, this is a journey. It's not going to happen overnight. And there's going to be times when you're, when you're playing great hockey and there's going to be times when it's not going so well. So, um, I think just understanding and knowing that's going to happen and try to just eliminate those, those rough stretches of hockey, but, um, it doesn't happen overnight and it sure didn't for me. I'll peel back a little bit more behind the curtains, more behind the scenes, things that I don't think the average hockey fan knows. So after the 21-22 season, you were named by the PHPA, the AHL rep of the year, basically. I don't think a lot of people, I know I certainly don't, like what goes into being a PHP rep, PH, PHPA PHPA rep, PHPA. like what goes into that? Like what is the, the it's it's a very important job <laughs> yeah. that I don't think a lot of people realize. And you hear about the NFLPA and every sport has that, but what are you like, what are your responsibilities i think that year um it was really interesting because that was the COVID year so um at the end of the season before uh, i can't remember who it was the year before that was taken over but they weren't back might have been hunter colton back colton back was doing it the year before and i was very interested in in what he did because there's a lot of things benefit wise um, insurance wise like with your families travel so and so that that is covered by our, the great union of the phpa so i didn't know anything about this so i had a lot of questions for becky that year about that so when, he, you know, the, the following season he wasn't back with us, he asked if I would take over. And I was, you know, I was very green to it. But I was like, yeah, absolutely, why not? And, of course, then uh, the COVID season happens. And there was so many phone calls about, you know, getting back to playing, how we were going to do it, salary, pay, um, all of those things. So that was very um, interesting for me to just sit in on those Zoom calls, um, listen to the older guys who had been in the union for a long time and, and – uh, I just try to do my part in, in helping out and giving the opinions of, of the players. But uh, the PHPA union is, is amazing for the players in the American Hockey League, and they do a great job taking care of us. So I'm glad I've got to get my foot in the door with them and um, still try to help out when I can. And every team's got a representative, right? Yeah. Do you yep. get, is it, you know, throughout the year, guys coming to you asking questions, things like that, do you need to have answers for? Or is it, yeah, if I, th I can't get them, I'll go and. I think that's the biggest thing is probably just trying to answer the questions. A lot of the young guys, too, haven't been in the league. Um, they're trying to, you know, figure out, you know, health care, dental care, all this stuff for their significant other, spouse, children. Um, that's kind of the job of the, the PHPA rep at the team to do. Um, some teams have, one, you know, two guys. I think the year that I got the that award, it was just me in there. But Mermies has always Merms has always been a part of that too. So um, you just try to give information back and forth from what the union offers. And um, like I said, it's unbelievable for the players, and they do a great job. And um, we're lucky. Uh, we're lucky to have them. Nice work, Capital J journalist over there. Yeah. Big Great J. In. Great Big work, J journal. Big J. I, I do want <coughs> to touch on that a bit, Shazi. You and I were talking out in Tucson a little bit about the growth that you've had personally from when you arrived to where you are now, away from the rink and taking care of yourself and learning more about being not only a pro hockey player, but being a professional adult too. And yeah. that's something that these guys, especially this year's young wild team, they're in the teeth of it right now. They're coming in 20 years of age, just like you did young, right out of the WHL or out of playing pro over in Sweden or what have you. And they're having to learn what it's like to be an adult. What are some of those things that guys have to figure out and are there support systems for it? Or does it sort of have to come from the locker room and come from older guys like yourself, like a Dakota Mermis, like a, a Kale Kessie, an older player that's been through it before? I, yeah, I mean, it was incredibly hard my first year. Um, I didn't, it wasn't hard, but it was, it was a change, I guess. And I didn't know what to expect. I was moving to a new country. Your first time, you know, living on your own. I had billets in junior. So, you know, your every meal, 
laundry, like all that was taken care of. So you always had someone looking after you. And now, you know, you're 19 years old. You got to figure it out on your own in a different country. So um, my first year, I roomed with Carson Soucy, who I was very lucky. He was from my, basically my hometown back in Alberta as well. So um, we knew each other very well. And then he kind of, he kind of helped find our spot where we lived our first year. But, um, you know, it, it was all, it was all systems go in terms of getting couches, beds. I mean, I had nothing. I had to get dishes. I think my grandma bought me that for my birthday <laughs> present in November. She <laughs> bought me a bunch of dishes and stuff. So um, transitioning to life was was a challenge in itself, and, and the in the game and pace is is just as hard, if not harder. So the balance of uh, of life away from the rink and life at the rink it it doesn't stop. So I think I relied on older guys and and the vets around you a lot um, your first couple years, and I feel like I got it figured out pretty good now how how life kind of works in pro hockey. So I enjoy getting to help the young guys out and. I hear stories <laughs> when I got here about guys sleeping on sofas for like two or three <laughs> weeks, like not even getting a bed. And I'm like, come on, you guys, let's help help ourselves out a little bit. But it's always an interesting, uh, you know, start seeing how some guys, you know, cook food they've never cooked before. So helping them cook and, and whatever. It's, you know what, it's part of the journey. Um, I think it's something that's so cool about hockey, but you definitely, uh, the biggest support system is your teammates. This is your family. So, you know, you have guys living on their own for the first time at 20 years old and they need some help. So that's uh, that's the duty of, of everyone in the in the locker room and especially the older guys to help them out. Along those lines, and I won't ask you to divulge names, one, because you wouldn't, two, because I wouldn't ask you that in the first place, but is there any one story that you've heard of a question or something that jumped out to mind where you just, like you said, well, come on, guys, what's going on? And are there any stories that maybe you were involved in early that you look back on and think, how didn't I know this? <laughs> Yeah, you know what? I like to think that coming in, I had a good idea of what I was getting into. So I was heading to Hobby Lobby right away. I was putting stuff on the walls, and I, I feel like my sheets at least matched and everything. But um, I mean, I've, I've, I, I know teammates I've had in the past who, who sleep on a, on an air mattress and maybe take a, a ta or a pillow from a hotel that they had on the road and bring it back. So just you know, funny stuff like that. They don't leave much to live in and. Um, I feel like I'm a little bit different that way, but I've always, you know, tried to make my home away from the rink feel like, feel like home because we spend a lot of time there. So Hobby Lobby was big to me early on, getting Did the feng shui on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> Do those things happen at the NHL level too? Yeah, I think so. I mean, once again, you're moving into a new, a new area, a new city you're not used to. And, um, you know, last year, once again, um, I obviously started in the hotel at the start of the year. And then when I got the move-in letter, uh, me and Connor Dewar kind of got those at similar times. And Alex Goligoski reached out to us. He had a townhouse in, in the North Loop in Minneapolis. And um, we moved right in there. So we didn't have to do too much because it was already fully furnished and set up. So um, that was kind of a dream, to be honest, how that all worked out. And uh, that's where I stayed for the summer. So I, uh, I owe Goose a lot, that's for sure. Mentally during that time, I can only imagine the battle that you had to go through, and Connor Dewar, anybody who's been in that spot before. Dakota Mermis has been in that spot this year. Yeah. When you are this close, this close to achieving the dream, to getting that housing letter, for people at home that don't know, it's the difference basically between being up in Minnesota knowing you might be getting sent back down and you are here, you are staying in the National Hockey League. You received one of those last year. wasn't right away, though. Again, you were the captain yeah. of the Iowa Wild before the season started. What did you learn about yourself, and what was that mental battle like of probably, I'd imagine, not thinking too much about that letter, but also knowing that it's still almost like dangling out in the wind there, thinking, I'm chasing this down? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, right away, I think it started in training camp that year. I felt like this was finally a time for me to push to make the team in Minnesota, and my training camp went really well, and um, I started the first weekend down here with Iowa and got the call after that. I feel like at, at that time, I was just doing everything I could to to help the team in Minnesota win. I don't think my attitude was shifted right away to, I need a housing letter, you know, the 10 games is coming up, or 30-day or waivers. That really didn't cross my mind until it literally got to 10 games when something was going to have to happen, you know, after that 10th game in Seattle. So um, at that point, I was I was just trying to play my game, do the, do my best to to stick around and, and, you know, make an impression on, on Billy and, and the coaching staff. And, um, you know, fortunately it worked. But I, I honestly, that time span felt like an absolute whirlwind to me. And it's one of those things where you wish you could just go back and sit in the moment and enjoy a little bit more because – um, you blink and it happens so fast. Click, save, store away, sell that to other people trying to make the National Hockey League. There mm -hmm. it is, right there. <laughs> Don't yeah. think about it. Just yeah. play your game. Yeah, if only it was that easy, right? <laughs> I mean, that came with a came with a lot of trials and and a lot of error in the process. But I think once you get to the point where you believe in yourself that you can get there and and you know you can, it's just grab the carrot and run with it, right? I mean, it's dangling right there. So grab a hold of it and and do the best you can with it. Growing up, I had this dream, realized at a pretty young age that I was going to need to find a different path to get to the National Hockey League. I'm working on it. Yeah. Joey Goldstein, same job. thing as a, as a player. Yep. Absolutely. But everybody has that dream growing up around hockey, getting there. You learn as you get older, it's really hard. Did you think it would be this hard, Mason? Um, yeah, I really did. I mean, where I, where, you know, I come from a small town in Alberta where – no one made it to the NHL before. And, uh, you know, when I was a younger kid growing up, you know, I watched the Oilers. I was an Oilers fan, and that seemed like like that seemed like they were from a, a different world, you know, the NHL level. So it did seem that hard. And I've always felt like I've been pretty realistic with myself and my goals. And, um, you know, through junior or through minor hockey, high school hockey, junior, like it was always going to be incredibly hard to make it you know, even just to get drafted, then to get signed. There's just so many phases that you got to go through. So um, I always just kept my head down and worked hard, tried to be a good teammate, and it's obviously paid off. And I, I, I obviously believe that good things happen to good people, and if you're willing to put in the work and, and self-belief that you can get there. So I knew it was going to be hard. I, I never – I'm not going to sit here and say I guaranteed I would ever make the NHL, but I would give my best effort and everything I had into, into trying to do that. And four ACL surgeries later, too, and harder <laughs> for you than most, uh, Mason, for sure. With that being said and the journey that you're on, have you had moments of doubt at any point along the way? Yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe not so much in junior. You're, you know, in junior, all, all you ever want to do is get drafted and, and then try to sign an NHL contract. And then I think once pro hits, you realize that there's players from all over the world. You know, I came from Canada, so I didn't know about kids that played college hockey a whole bunch, to be honest. I didn't know about veterans in the AHL who had played 200, 300, 400 NHL games that played that were the C for the Iowa Wild. You know, there's stuff like that. Then you're like, there's a lot of guys trying to get to the top of the mountain. So, um, you know, there's moments where I probably thought I, I didn't know if I could get there. You know, I, you don't like where your game's at sometimes, and it's trending the wrong way. But I think that just relates back to uh, it being it being a marathon, not a sprint. And um, you can't quit on yourself too early. And I was watching the – or the golf documentary what's that called uh something swing full swing, full swing. Yeah, yeah. and then there's just a moment in there where um justin thomas you know says to his dad like you know when he wins his, the second major he's like good thing we didn't quit kind of thing and it's like 
every hockey player has got that chance at some point in their career or whatever your career is to quit and, and try something easier. But, um, you know, fortunately for myself, I stuck with it and had good people around me to keep pushing me. And I guess here we are. We're, we're still playing pro hockey after four major surgeries. Fast forward to now from talking about that mental battle of a very small window of time when you were trying to get that letter to stay in Minnesota. Same mentality now. Keep your nose down. Take it one day, one stride at a time. Is that it to get, to get back? Yeah, I think I think I've also got a glimpse to see, you know, what life could be, like, you know, what your life could be like after hockey when you're not in the locker room anymore with your guys, and um, that just gives me a, a massive appreciation for coming to the rink every day and and getting to enjoy my teammates because you know, unfortunately, it probably comes sooner than we'd like for most players, and you don't necessarily get to decide when when that time's over, or a lot of guys don't anyway. So. Um, for me, it's it's a pretty simple recipe right now. Um, you know, come to the rink, put your head down, work, be a good teammate, um, try to find ways to help the Iowa Wild win hockey games, and that's honestly been my mentality. You know, throughout my whole career to this point, no matter what level it was at, and be where your feet are at. I don't try to look too far ahead or or read into, you know, too much what people say about you, good or bad. So, um, right now we're we're playing for the Iowa Wild, and and we got to find a way to win some hockey games. So it's uh, you know, I'm right where I should be. I got some questions about cattle ranching. I want to get there, but before I get there, I have one last question on Minnesota last year. Uh, the playoffs, I woke up to this because I did. I wasn't at the game. When you did the let's play hockey <laughs> before the game, and uh, let's look for, for our fans and for you, too, sure. knowing this, I was at night one. My family's been season ticket holders of the Minnesota Wild since the opening day of, yeah. of the Exxon Energy Center. I've seen I don't know how many of those let's play hockeys. I woke up, saw that someone sent it to me overnight, and I woke up. And you want to talk about, like, just waking up to an instant coffee hit in the morning? When I watched that, I about ran through a brick wall in my house. Like, yeah. for you, there seemed to be some juice behind that. Take us back to that moment because that was a pretty surreal moment, not only the way you handled it, but the way the crowd responded to that incredible Let's Play Hockey moment prior to a playoff game yeah. that, week, that year. Yeah, there was a, there was a couple – couple I guess small scenarios to the to the situation and it all started Aaron Sickman asked me if I wanted to do um the let's play hockey before the game and um you know I always sit on the bench with Connor Dewar before the game and we knew our roles we didn't start a whole bunch of hockey games and <laughs> so we paid quite a bit of attention to the let's play hockey and we always said you know if we get our chance to get up there we're going to make sure we're going to make sure it's felt I don't know what we're going to say but we're going to make sure that that we bring some noise so um, I was sitting on my patio at that time of year, and it was um, before game two of playoffs, I think. And I was, I was sitting with Con, and I was like, "Yeah, Siki asked me," but I said, "No way." I said, "No way." And he, you know, Connor kind of gave me gave me some. He's like, "Why not?" Like you said, you know, if we got the chance, we could do it. Now you can. So I was like, "Do you know what? I do not want to do this. This is." <laughs> but but yes, Sicky, I will do it. So I replied. And the then, classic player response yeah. to every question. When yeah, I asked you to exactly. come on the podcast no, today. But yeah. okay. No, Ben, I don't want to yes. do it, but we'll come on. Exactly. <laughs> so then there was that. So I committed to it. None of the guys knew other than Connor. And then um, you know, I watched some videos, and I was trying to figure out a way that I could get the crowd going. And obviously it's playoff hockey you know, in Minnesota. You know, There's nothing better than that, in my opinion. So um, Kalen Addison, I couldn't drive yet because I was just out of surgery. He picks me up, and... I told him to be there. I, I can't remember what time it was. Say it was 6.45. Well, he must have got there at 6.55. So we were rushed <laughs> the whole time to the game. And and uh, by the time we made it to the – or got to the rink, Sicky's texting me, like, where are you at? Like, you're up in, you're up in two minutes. So 
I remember getting up there. I got there just in time. They handed me the mic. The video was already going, and I completely slipped my mind what I was going to say. And, uh, you know, a couple people in the crowd seen I was going up there and, um, you know, yelled and we miss you, whatever, all this stuff. And I, I got a little bit emotional right before I was about to go, and then the light goes on you, and you just hear, take it away, Mason. And I kid you not, I, I, my mind went completely blank, and my, my only response was just start yelling into the mic. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think it turned out okay, and I felt good about it after. So um, it was my way of, of contributing to the team. Obviously, I couldn't do anything on the ice with my injury, but um, just kind of the mentality we had of, any way you can help out and that was uh that was my way to try to get the crowd into it for the team and um you know the, the crowd was was pretty amazing how they responded to it and um the guys played a great game that night so i like to think it worked it's okay is the understatement of the year it went okay is <laughs> yeah. the understatement of ben the told year. you wanted to run through a yeah. wall the yeah. minute From you woke des moines. up <laughs> i was in des moines trying to run through a wall that was ten thousand volts of pure electricity yeah. it was unbelievable it was it was incredible i it we got to try to get that so we can put it on. I'm sure we can get it from Minnesota. I think we can yeah. get that so we can put it this exists. on. We get, if people yeah. haven't seen it yet, we got to make sure they see it. I tell you what, that's as charts. nervous as I've ever been for honestly anything in my life, and I've never felt those nerves before a hockey game is when that light went on me. <laughs> I I remember after I I was still shaking. I think about 20 minutes later. So, um, like I said, it was uh, it was my way of helping the team out, and they responded great to it. So. I guess thanks for the guys for that too. I'm so glad I asked. And maybe it, it, I think maybe it went so well because you did just you, you blanked. Yeah. Like, if, yeah. If half the time, as someone who speaks in front of a camera a lot, mm -hmm. half the time when you overthink things is when it doesn't go the way you want it to go. When you just speak from the heart naturally on camera, that is when you get some of the the best the best yeah. stuff. So maybe that yeah. maybe that is why. Absolutely. Um, cattle ranching. Becoming Wild covered this so, so well, so I don't want to spend – I'm not going to reiterate yep. a lot of what they covered because that – one, we can't. Those those guys just – they tell such great stories. But I do have some questions to follow up from that. Um, kabas, kabas, am I yep. saying that yep. correctly? Kabas. Kabas, yep. which is how you call on the cows. Yeah, that's how yep. that's how we – for the most part, they don't always come. It doesn't always work, but that's always the first attempt, whether we're gathering to move pastures or – calling cows over to the feed bin whatever it is that's that's usually the way they respond and know it's you so that's what's worked on our farm and your great-grandfather started the farm yep. correct yep. yes correct. So this has been in the shaw family is it, it's been always shaw or your, your dad came, married it into came, it yeah it came from so my mother's maiden name's fletcher so it, it came from the fletcher side of it and then me and dad kind of just got acclimated to it a little bit later on mm -hmm. um i had the one thing that came to mind watching the coming wild that that they didn't have time to cover that we do because it's a podcast. Yeah. There has to be a couple of great lost cow stories of like finding a lost cow or tracking sure. down lost cows. Are there any just great tales that you have from making sure you got all, every member of the herd still yeah. together? You know what? I think some of the best memories I have, um, you know, just being on the farm and, and through my years of experience of it was 
the year of the COVID year, we got shut down in March. And um, obviously there was a lot of, there was a very tough time all around the world. And for me, that was my first time to be home during calving season when the babies are born at the end of March, start of April. And probably, I don't know, close to 10 years, right? I always miss sex and playing hockey. So that was a chance for myself to be home, you know, with my dad. All my cousins were home because you couldn't go anywhere. And I remember the the temperature that year for about a two-week span at the end of March and start of April was, I'm going to say this in Celsius, sorry to the American <laughs> listeners, it was like minus 40 Fahrenheit, which is, you know, when the cows are, are having their babies, like they're, that they're dying pretty quick if you're not getting there to help them. So I remember that, you know, the two weeks just being in heaven in that cold weather that I could get to go to all the neighbors, our farm and, and, um, you know, just carrying calves into the barn or into the shop and, um, just treating them that way. Cause it'd been so long since I got to help out with calving season. So that's, uh, that's always my favorite time of year is, is calving season growing up was always so cool being out at the farm and, you know, running home from, you know, from school and just wondering how many babies were born that day or something. So, um, that specific time during the COVID season when there was so much negative energy going around, it's honestly one of the happiest I've ever been with just being able to be home at the farm and all my cousins helping out. And I mean, I remember drinking coffee at three in the morning because you'd have to go check cows every you know hour, two hour to make sure you were, you know, if Benning was born, you were there to, to help out. So, cause it was just so cold, but that was, uh, that's one of my probably coolest memories or one of my most fondest memories I have of, you know, growing up and around a farm and stuff. That's not touching on all the things I've wrecked or <laughs> well, I mean, if you were asked, if you were to ask my dad that story, it would be probably a totally different answer, but I've definitely wrecked my fair share of stuff around like the Like what? Farm. Yeah, let's hear he about just, it. He just calls me the ramrod out there. <laughs> and unfortunately, you know what? That kind of trickles into my hockey game a lot of the time too. <laughs> so just, you know, it could be simple things like pounding posts or pulling hydraulic lines out of machinery. I seem to be the one that doesn't have the most patience in the world and end up wrecking stuff. So um, I'll, I'll leave some of the bigger things <laughs> out of the <laughs> occasion, but I'm not going to sit here and say I'm perfect or the best hand at times. But, you know, I think that's where I've, I've learned my toughness is getting a little bit of yelled at from my father, which was definitely deserving. It sounds like it was merited. <laughs> it was merited, absolutely. <laughs> Do we have to hit the tub soon? Yeah, yeah, we might actually. Um, I got like rapid fire questions, but I feel like those are best saved yeah, for the cold tub. Yeah, if, if you got rapid fire questions, those will be coming it. out rapidly. Yeah, we should. We uh, should. Mason, why don't you go ahead and uh, for our viewers and listeners explain what they're about to see? Because sure. this is for the first time in in uh, riding the bus history, we've been off loca we've been off location before but we're going to a completely different type of terrain now yeah, yeah we're and this is not our idea but mind yeah. you not mine yeah. anyway this is not our idea yeah no we're going we're going to the, to the grit factory here and we're going to go as adam beckman calls it every morning he asks me how my grit is and you know that depends how long we're going to sit in the ice bath so that's where we're heading is the ice bath and uh i've seen kevin hart do it before um with his podcast i've seen him do it in the ice bath so um, we just finished a hard practice at RecPlex, and we didn't have an ice bath there. So I text Ben. I go, let's let's get in the ice bath and do this. Man, now now I'm uh, I'm getting what I asked for. So uh, we're gonna head over to the ice bath and and rip off a few questions. So you guys are gonna go in the and ice then bath. Joe, I'm Joey, sitting in the hot tub. Joey's <laughs> gonna head in the hot tub beside us, and we'll see how long I can last in the ice bath. I might be jumping in there with you. Maybe we'll have to like just. Like a Chinese fire drill. Everybody just get yeah. out and switch. Rotate. Yeah, yeah exactly. Rotate. So we'll, well see how this goes. We'll We're heading to the grit factory. <sighs> okay, let's go. <laughs> let's go. All right, fans. We're uh, 
We're here in the ice baths here at the at the rink. We had a hard practice at Recplex today, so it was really hard for Joey and I too. Joey, That's why we're also in there. He worked really hard, so I figured it was time to, to hit the cold baths. And Joey's in the recovery hot tub. He's on uh, all-star break mode already. So yeah. me and Ben are putting in a little work here. What's the temp at right now in here, Shazi? First off, what do you normally ice bath at, and what are we at right now? Yeah, I try to I try to get it around 45, 50 degrees Fahrenheit, but. Um, Benny's setting a personal record here, and we're at 38 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, 38 Fahrenheit. Yeah. So, um, I'm at 104. <laughs> the hot tub's 104 over there. In case you guys were wondering. So this is a new personal record for me, and I'm going to uh, be shivering for the rest of the night. Yeah, I, I didn't mean to do it actually this way. The hard part about our cold tubs compared to the Minnesota cold tub, which I call the ice pit of doom because that thing is unbelievable. <laughs> but the, the temperature control is a little better there. The water behind us that dumps water in here, sometimes it comes out at about 65 degrees. I think today it must have came out a lot colder yeah. because my normal 10 scoops has made it much more. I was normally like 40 to 42 to 45, and this is, this is really cold. Yeah. The, the cattle trough is cold today. The cattle trough is set. That's what I call these things, and let it work its magic. Just sit here and try not to shiver too much. So every morning, usually, between Dylan Taylor, the assistant athletic trainer, and Adam Beckman, Iowa Wild assistant captain, there's an argument about the temperatures of the cold tubs. Have you witnessed this at all? I have. Becky likes to come in here at a lukewarm temperature, which defeats the purpose of the ice bath. and. I'm usually the culprit of why it's too cold with too many scoops of ice, but this is next level, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I got him shivering. I'm also wearing a top, but I didn't want to show off the pro skater's body. And I didn't want to make you feel bad yeah, about thank you you know, the, the top. Joey and I didn't want to make you feel bad next to pro <laughs> hockey player. Um, so Beckman's a guy who comes in here a lot. Who are some of the other players that spend a lot of time in the ice bath? You know what? A lot of the young guys are really good at it. You see them in here probably more than the older guys are, and we, I think we need it more than them. But uh, Lambo's in here all the time. Gini, that's what we, that's his nickname, Gini. Um, Spot shows in here a lot. Some guys see, and I've never seen Sammy Walker in here before, so he's probably more of a hot tub guy. Speaking it's of hot great, tub, it's guys. great over here. It's great. I'm feeling awesome right now. Do you have any questions for us, Joey? Since your brain might be working better than Not really about being cold, right now. but do you yeah, want some questions? What's that? You want to be on a trade? Yeah, I'll we'll switch in a little bit. Switch, I'll switch okay. with you at some point. Shazi, uh, Shazi might even get out of here soon. Yeah. I don't know if I agree to this. You and me, can, you and me can just, your you and me can just finish the episode from the cold house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a bad idea. It's all about, it's all about keeping your mind busy. So usually when I'm in here, I'm, I'll play Candy Crush sometimes if no one's in here to keep myself busy and, and play some tunes. Usually get some Nickelback going or get fired up to get in here. It takes a lot sometimes. Nickelback has been really popular recently again. I'm not a big social media person. Does anyone know why they've been popular? I've been hearing in the locker room all the time. Sammy Walker's been crushing the Nickelback recently. He's they used to get such a bad rep, but I I mean, Nickelback's good. They're from Chad Kruger was born an hour from my hometown, so I don't think Nickelback ever lost it in my opinion, but um, this summer we got to see him in Minneapolis at the XL and got to meet him, so that was a cherry on top. I love Nickelback, so they, they always have a special place in my heart. You gotta pick three Nickelback songs to listen to for the rest of your life. What are those three? Um, Saving Me, the probably my favorite 06 Boilers playoff run. That, that was the theme for CBC that year. That was really cool. Check it out. Um, photograph, because that's about where they're from in Alberta, and I'm from Alberta. And uh, 
probably burn it to the ground. Those are probably my three my three tops. I, I don't know two of those three. Burn to the ground is a good one. Is it? Yeah. I'm not as deep enough of a Nickelback guy. I know like the, the classics, right? Like yeah, rock stars. Play, play, play the hits. Oh, I know Photograph. Play the hits. Yeah, yeah that's listen Nickelback playing the hits. All right, so you've been you've been in Des Moines for a couple of years now. You know the area pretty well. What are some of your favorite spots? Favorite whatever, restaurants, sure. bars, where you favorite sure. places to go? Um, we eat. We eat a lot of Luca here in the East Village. I'm not doing that, Ben. Oh, I also have a shirt on, though. I'm cheating. We uh, we go to Luca a lot. Um, the other one Chop House is amazing if you can get in there. Um, one place that I haven't got to take this group of guys yet is uh, Rubes out in West Des Moines. You cook your own steak there, so I think that's one of my favorite places. And uh, uh, we go watch a lot of sports at the Iowa Tap Room. Great spot for football and some beers and. One of my favorite bars uh, that people probably don't know about is the bar in DeSoto, which is out west, probably 20 minutes away, and um, pool table darts, what more could you ask for? I, the only thing I know about DeSoto is that's where I got my dog. Uh, that's well, where A-Hines is at, right in DeSoto. bar there too, so. And Shotgun Betty's in West Des Moines for live music, that's, that's a staple. You've talked about Shotgun Betty's a lot. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a good spot for Mason Shaw. And you get to put your cowboy boots on that's, there, don't you? That's that's my kind of scene. Uh, Western bar, country music, pool table. Bush lights just taste colder there. <laughs> as cold as. <laughs> it's cold. You can probably put a few in here and it tastes pretty good too. Uh, country night recently, a lot of guys were asked the question, who of anybody would wear cowboy boots to a wedding or a really nice event? Everybody said Mason Shaw. Have you ever worn? Cowboy boots to like a really high-end soiree. You know what? I got a lot of answers for that, and I think that just goes to show how little we have of, of Western. Because for the most part, the former wearing boots, it's at home, it's at something like that. So the formal event, I was mentioned in it, but usually I just stick to to my dress shoes for the most part. But um, if the boots are on, it's because we're we're working at home. How you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm shivering more as we're in here. I thought it's supposed to get better. <laughs> All right. I got four four big moments in your hockey career. I want you to rank them for me. So you got draft day. Okay. You got getting your first NHL recall slash first game, scoring your first goal, or getting that housing letter that you were staying. And right. sitting in between Joey Goldstein and Ben Gistel sitting yeah, in we'll a nice tub. Well, right now that's number five. <laughs> and I'm And I'm loving this. <laughs> um, I think number one for me was probably getting the move-in letter um, after the 10th game in Seattle last year. I think one thing that was special about that was my parents were in town, so Billy pulled me into his office and told me that I was sticking around, so um, that was pretty cool, and that my parents there meant, uh, and my sister meant even more. Nice. So that's probably number one in my career at this point. Did we let you out of here now? Yeah, we got the song on. <laughs> The sauna is on. I don't want to be the one who's responsible for like having some terrible thing happen to you because we left you in the cold tub too long. We'll blame it on Marquise. His job was to run, was to run the stopwatch. And I think for over What's five the stopwatch? Uh, about seven and a half. Oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. That's the money spot. Any longer is probably Shazi, for us. you're the man. Uh, can't say enough about who you are as a person and a player. Now get out of the hot tub or get out of the cold tub. This isn't hot. No, back to the hot tub. Thanks for having me on, guys. And welcome back to period three of Riding the Bus. We're still in the cold tub. I'm still in the cold tub. 
Now Joey has gotten out of his tropical vacation over in the hot tub to my left here. And Joey, you look like you are having a good time. I regret this. I regret this. I don't know what Shazi's sitting outside laughing at me. I regret this. But we'll do this. We'll do this. We'll make this quick. I got a lot to talk about here in this final segment. Uh, Joey, first and foremost, Mason Shaw is so beloved by so many people. And I think our podcast did a pretty good job of demonstrating to anybody who's not sure why you should love Mason Shaw, why you should. Um, I mean, you really, it's hard to find a better person than him and hard to find a more, uh, a player that you can believe in more than Mason Shaw. Just for a million reasons, uh, what a quality human. Yeah, he had a lot of respect for me before coming into this. Sitting in this, um, I already can't feel my toes. I just even more respect generated. So, yeah, I mean, hell of a human being. Uh, and I'm glad we finally got him on here. Some big weekends, uh, unfortunately, on the ice didn't quite pan out the way that Iowa, Iowa fans were hoping to. But away from the rink, Joey, <laughs> you can't even get to it. It's cold. <laughs> it's cold. I just, it's just my feet. Yeah. But some big events uh, last weekend, Country Night with Mitchell Tenpenny. You were a big part of that. It was an incredible weekend. Uh, also, uh, even the night before Military Appreciation Night with Stephen Fogarty scoring on uh, Military Appreciation Night was incredible. I know you want to get through this quickly, but some highlights from some weekends previously, uh, some home games that went off in a big way for the front office staff. Yeah, I mean, it was one of the b biggest weekends we've ever had, um, and certainly from the concert night. I mean, last year, the Russell Dickerson show was to date our biggest game we've ever had. We surpassed that this year, so this year was our biggest game that we've ever had uh, in franchise history from a marketing standpoint and, and single game tickets. We sold more than we ever had before. Um, and it was just, I mean, it's it just fun to see so many people in the building having a good time and those concerts are a huge hit. Mitchell Tenpenny and his team were fantastic to work with, so. Um, and then military night on Friday night too. I mean, I was reading the athletic article where uh, we had Minnesota Brass in town, John Hines was here, and, and he mentioned you know, the crowd being as great as it was and you know, just the atmosphere in the building. So it's always nice to see the, the hard work getting rewarded on the, on the back end when you're finally bringing things to life. Lastly, before we get out of here, because I know you really want to, on a scale of one to 10, uh, what's your level of feeling in your extremities currently? My hands are at a 10. Mm -hmm. uh, as I'm wiggling my toes, we're, we're probably like a three. Um, so I guess that, that's kind of that's kind of it. I'm getting right back in the hot tub just to warm them back up. I, I got to give you some credit because Mason Shaw is a, a frequent cold tubber, and he even said this was really cold. I'm a frequent cold tubber. This is really cold. Again, we're below, first timer. Uh, first time. I'm a first time. And he's stepping here. in here, and you're being able to speak yeah. for this. You've been in here well, long. I, I look, you're, I I, you're eyeing the hot tub too. Yeah. No, I felt bad that you guys had to do it. We talked about switching halfway through. Very quickly, we determined that wasn't going to happen. Uh, but I felt like I had to get in, get in on the on the on the madness a little bit. Listen, content doesn't sleep. We do what we have to do. Incredible amount of health benefits to cold tubbing as well. An incredible amount. I'm, I'm yeah. looking forward to being. Yeah, super you're healthy. reaping. You're reaping the rewards. I can't of it wait right to now. be so healthy as soon as I get out of here. So healthy. And that time is right now. Uh, Joey, thank you for this. Marquise Jones, thank you for editing, as always. Also to Mason Shaw for joining us. And to all of you, our viewers and listeners, for tuning in. This has been another episode of Riding the Bus, the official Iowa Wild podcast. Until next time, two honks for a very cold victory. Just get to it, man. Just get to it. Two honks for the win. We'll see you next time. <laughs>